You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. A star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. Hello, everyone. It's Tuesday, which means it's a new episode of Kill Me Now. I've never said that before, that we, we drop on Tuesdays. I drop pretty much all the fucking time because I'm so fucking tired. I'm very excited about our guest today, and not because he's funny, and not because... You know, he's gay. It's it's none of these things that you think I'm going to be excited to talk to him for. I don't know what that sentence was, but he'll correct me because he's a teacher. He is a fucking teacher. I come from a family of teachers. No job I respect more than teaching. The intersection, which is a word I fucking hate, but I'm going to say it anyway, of teaching and comedy is so amazing like people i don't think people realize that our next act act i'm not on stage our next our guest would not be as great of a comedian as he is if he wasn't a teacher and great comedians are teachers and my hair looks like shit and i'm going to tell you why in just a few minutes but you're listening so you don't see that my hair looks like shit but check your instagram my hair looks like fucking shit on one side it's completely flat and then the other side, it's all like, hey, what's going on? I'm not kidding. It's like a total psycho. This part is like depressed. I'm like bipolar. My hair is bipolar. Oh, God, everyone who's bipolar, um, I'm really sorry. Um, don't cancel me. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only. Wait, I'm going to say his full name. Joseph Bernard Dombrowski. Oh, she went back into the vault. You went, I went back to do the vault I love of it. Joe Dombrowski. Before we begin, I just want to um, complain. You know, it's called Kill Me Now because basically I say kill me now about 600 times a day. And, you know, the other day, one of my sons said to me, we were talking about something. He's like, yeah, I know. I want to kill myself. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, I've done a really good job. So See, my, um, my kill me now is I always say I just want to drink a gallon of bleach. And someone tried to come for me for it the other right. day. And I was like, you don't know how almost serious I am. Right, 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 right. <laughs> People don't get it. They don't right. work in comedy. We're recording this on a Friday, the Friday of my son's 25th birthday, my older son. I, on Wednesday, I worked 15 hours, then got driven to the airport and took a red eye home from LA. I'm look, I'm not complaining. I happened to be working. I took a red eye and I got off the plane and all I was doing on the plane was like, I had a good seat, right? I'm not complaining about my seat, but I am six foot two. I'm all legs. I can't even with the flatbed. It doesn't work. Cause there's a fucking, I can't. Yes. I'm complaining. Yes. So I didn't really sleep. Plus I have this 
like, here's the thing. Like I, I mean, it's the red eye. It was leaving at 1 a.m. And I was still like, oh, well, I get food. Like I wasn't even hungry. Right. But they were giving the food. So I'm like, I'll have a panini. And it sucked. And I was eating it. And I was like, I don't even want this. But it was like they're serving food and I'm taking it. So anyway, I got off the plane. I realized my phone wasn't with me. I was sitting on the carousel. And the whole time I was dreaming. All right. You know what? I'm going to go home. I have two hours I can sleep before I go to New Jersey for another day. Right? Mm -hmm. Grateful. Hashtag grateful. I sit on the carousel. Right. And I'm like, oh, I'll text the driver, not my own driver. I called a fucking car service assholes and just let them know, you know, I landed. And there's no phone in my bag. And it's just like, no, no, I like checked. I even helped the woman in front of me dropped her wallet. I was like, oh, you dropped her wallet. Like, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I go into the, you know, the baggage thing. Where you have there, I tried to go back up to the gate, and they were like, "No, right. you can't go." I'm like, "No, please, no!" And then the, you know, these tears will begin. I can't cry over like, you know, oh, I'm feeling sad today. That won't ever happen. But I can cry if I lose my keys or my phone. So because I'm really healthy, so I go into the baggage area where I've been many times. I'll just say at JFK, I've been there multiple times in my life. As you know, you travel, you know. So I go in. And it's just like, it just starts because I'm so tired. Mm -hmm. I left my phone on the plane and, um, oh my God, I never do this. I just can't believe it. She's like, don't worry. I mean, like so nice. And I'm, and she's like, We're, we'll call the gate. And I'm like, faster, faster. You're not dialing fast. Like it was like, you know what I mean? Yes. I'm like, yes. You don't understand. I have to go to sleep. I only have it. Now I'm down to an hour and a half. So she's like, they're not answering. And then this other Girl comes in, this woman, well, she's a girl because I'm 58, so everyone's a girl. So she comes in and she says, um, we need to get our luggage off the plane because my aunt died. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And for a minute, like, I was like, okay, death, lost phone. You know, like I did that thing. Which is death. Right. So then that I was like, oh, OK, this is a sign. And then after like maybe 45 seconds, I was like, Fuck! I don't care. I don't care. Maybe she was sick. Maybe that, you know, like as long as she didn't die on the plane. And maybe she, she was a even, bad person. Right. She wasn't even crying. So it's like so then I went back to crying about my phone. So then I have to go wait for the person. She's taking too long. I think she's never coming back. I literally if I could show you my phone, I pressed find my iPhone so she would find it on the plane. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Did she find it? Well, she eventually found it. And she's like, oh, it was ringing and I wanted to pick it up. But, I, you know, and I was like, oh, my God, thank you so much. <laughs> and so that was my kill me now moment of this week. And then I call Elisa, my lover, and she's like, Judy, you always leave something. I'm like, I don't always leave something. But I kind of. Like I've done this a million times and, and, and you know, when you travel all the time, you forget like, Oh, where am I going? Okay. Cause you've put your phone Always. in your bag so many times you think you put your phone in your bag. Okay. You, know you I mean? said something that made me think that we're very similar on this. You said when you were talking to the gate agent, you're like, I only have an hour and a half to sleep. Do you count your days as in a, how long I have to sleep? 
Because I oh, definitely do. It's all about how long I have to sleep and food. Oh, one hundred percent. And and what drives me nuts is I'm done with the show and I just want to eat something and all that's open is like a friggin' Bojangles and maybe oh, a can. Wendy's. It's well, I, you're it's, you, you know that's the problem about where you live. You know, I'm in New York, so <laughs> as you know. <laughs> um, but no, I'm just saying, like, yeah, when I'm on the road, like people don't realize after your show, you're fucking starving. Yeah. And it's and it's it, it's 11 o'clock at night or whatever it is. It's your dinner time. It is my dinner time. I just this is this is my unwind and there's nothing for my unwind. There's not right. even good shows on right now. It's right. like, just let me be. Okay, don't complain about good shows because you're 14 and you have streaming services, which I didn't have. Okay, so shut the fuck up. All right? Uh, I'm 12, Judy. Okay, sorry. I hope, you get, <laughs> I, hope t- I hope you get your period soon. All right, so Joseph Bernard Dombrowski, like I, I don't know if you've ever listened to my podcast. I doubt it. But I do a lot of research on my guests and you're a fucking hard egg to crack. Okay. What'd you get, well, babe? I, I got I got some things. I got that your mother's name is Fran. Your father's name is Ronald. Sure did. Yeah, yep. you're on the right track. That's right. Well, everyone knows because you have a podcast with your mother that your mom's name. But does everyone know your father's name is Ronald? I think they might. Oh, they fuck might. You. Okay. You're Michigan born and bred. That's right. Your parents, thank God, are older than me. They thank- are. The Lord that they are older than me because I can't with the interviewing people who I could be their parents. <laughs> okay. Um, born, you were born May 1st, 1989. Wrong. You were born not May 1st, 19. What the fuck is that? You're one day off, April 30th, 1989. You fuck. Did- <laughs> we, we were doing great. You know what? I'll give it to you. Either way was still a Taurus. So there you go. Right. Okay. Here's the thing. Hit You're me. an only child. Painfully you know? only. Painfully, yeah, painfully only, child. only child. So you grew up. We always start at the very beginning. It's a very, very good, good place, place to, to start. start. Very, all right. One so of you, the first shows that I ever did, actually. Really? Friedrich von Trapp in the flesh. Wow. Right here. Yeah. Community theater, babe. It's too bad that you don't remember my bit. From uh, I used to do a bit, which I think the listeners who know my old material will know that I used to stand. <laughs> I could still do it. I used to stand on stage in front of the curtain, you know, and in the middle of my set go, the Von Trapp family singers! <laughs> yep. The family Von Trapp! And then look at my watch and be like, they're coming, they're coming. And then go back to my act and then do it again in five minutes. I used to do that throughout my act. I love it. Um, But I haven't done that in a while and I might do it again. Okay. Bring it out. Bring it back. So you were born in Michigan. You are an only child of two parents. Do um, Do you know why you're the only child? So I was not meant to be. Right. It was not meant to be. There was there was one that didn't make it shortly right. after. Oh, I'm Short- glad I could bring that up. And no, um, no, it's all good. It's all it's open. It's out there. But yeah, um, we said that it was kind of a not a terrible thing because I'm pretty sure that I would have just eaten that that right. sibling alive. Right. Right. 
Were you born in Royal Oak, Michigan? No, I was actually born in Detroit. That's right. I have that from yeah. Detroit. Now, this from is Detroit. the funny thing. I yeah. when I when I started like coming up in the Detroit scene, a lot of it was in Royal Oak, which is where I was living at the time. So okay. people started to say, "You're not from Detroit," and I was like, "Check my birth certificate, bitch!" You like, fucking for, I think I know my life. Yeah. So you were born in Detroit. When I gotta say something, hit me. I love Detroit. I love. Thank you, Detroit. I've always loved Detroit. Of course, I know a lot of people in Bloomfield Hills. Is that? Yeah, the, yeah uh, you do. Or West Bloomfield. West Bloomfield, which is where I actually my first teaching job was in West Bloomfield. And I was like, can we get like all of Yom Kippur off? You do get all of Yom Kippur off because it's only a day. Okay, now um, there are also a lot of Holocaust survivors there. And there was an ACLU march that was going to happen there that ended up or no, that was in um, that was in. No, that was somewhere else um, that they were going to let Nazis walk through. But that was somewhere else that was not in. Detroit. But anyway, Detroit is a great city. And now it's like the food paradise, right? Yes, yes, it is. And people are buying, yeah, people are buying uh, land there. And it's where Motown started. It's where the cars were. It's a fucking great city. I got a crazy fact for you. So there's this, it's a, it's considered like a rare gem, but it's not at all. But what it is, is it's actually chunks of paint from like a, one of the car factories. And there's layers and layers and layers of all different colors. And they take the chunks and they polish it. And it's like this awesome, really cool piece that they put into jewelry and stuff only comes out of Detroit, only comes from the old car factories. And it's considered like a precious gem. What about Shinola? Shinola watches. You want me to go grab mine? Like I want to get I got, one so bad. Oh, you have to do it. I I love my Shinola watches. The Shinola Hotel is to die for. Next time you're in Detroit, that's where you're staying. What is that? Can I just say something, though? Yeah, say it, say these, it. These companies that, like, you make watches and then you open a fucking hotel. It's like, you know what I mean? And it's also like that Margaritaville song. It's a fucking song, and now he's a no, multi-billionaire because it's, it's a fucking spa, restaurant, resort, you know? Isn't it? Wa- this one, it's really, it's it's kitsch, boutique, chic. Right. It's very Detroit, too. It's very, right. they like that, pay homage to the city, which is it. cool. Mm-hmm. And okay. great food. There's an amazing restaurant underneath. And you better be on time for your reservation. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that was a watch joke, people. So um, this is how this is how I conduct my interviews when I've had no sleep. Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast-growing trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast-growing trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but 
Fast growing trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew. The space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code Judy Gold, J U D Y G O L D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com using the code Judy Gold at checkout. Fastgrowingtrees.com, code Judy Gold. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. So you're an only child. Your parents both work, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, you go to public school? I started at private Catholic school until third grade, and it was a real, a real treat. A real, there was no hiding me gay ever. Right, right, So right. there were times, this is true, I was actually put in the coat closet. My desk was moved into the coat closet for about a week. And there's like no rhyme or reason other and than that. this is in fabulous. Catholic school? This is at Catholic school. So they put you in the closet. Put me so in. That's put great. Me, I know. I know. Two more weeks so than you, I ever needed to be in ba- there. You uh, came out of the closet in third grade. Good night, folks. I, God damn it. I'm on fire. So who, wait, what, why did you get put in the closet? I was a lot, but mm-hmm. not in a bad way. I was just an extroverted kid and right. was was fabulous. I was. Of fabulous. course. And there was like my cousins all say we knew you were gay when you were born. Right. right? So looking back on this, these situations and, in retrospect, it was yeah. because they just couldn't take it. Right. But also two things about that. You were gay when you were born. And yep. number one and number two. So these are nuns that put you in the closet. They were not nuns. There was only one nun, and I did not have her as a teacher. These were and just- And was she uh, a lezzy? They're all lezzies. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. They're all lezzies fingering each other. I'm telling you. All of them. Scissor me timbers up yeah. and down that place. It was wild. Were you into the- Like, were you into being Catholic? Like, first of all, for a, for a gay kid, I would think, you know, the dressing up and the, you know, the incense and all that shit, like- I, that would be like, oh, I want to, like in the beginning. In the beginning. And okay. the, the, what am I calling The pageantry would the, be like something you'd be into. And then you realize, oh, fuck, I don't, this is crazy. But yeah. Was my it- very first time three, being a theatrical human, I played a shepherd in the nativity scene at church. I swear to God, everybody's jaw dropped because I strutted down with my like shepherd staff and my robe down the aisle, just like I was on RuPaul's Drag Race. Like just, it was like, right, right, right. and everyone's like, he has to go. And I, I, I remember feeling it even, you know, but just feeling but like you me. were different. Oh yeah. Totally I mean, ostracized. Right. Same. But I feel like sometimes that feeling 
that you were feeling is because, you know, people don't realize we're born this way. Mm-hmm. We feel differently than other people, but we don't know what it is until we go through puberty. Like it, yep. that's what people don't realize. So for those years where you're like, wait, wait, what? And then you go, oh, you know, it's a lonely place to be and you need to be in the coat closet. And you're so was it a co-ed? Catholic school? It was a co-ed Catholic school, uh, co-ed everything except for gym. And it was, it was highly, highly, highly underfunded, the school too. So uh, every day just trying to like navigate it was, I, I never felt comfortable there ever, ever. But you know, my parents both went through Catholic school their entire life. They just thought they were doing what we do in that side of the world. Right. Was either of your parents into the Catholic religion, one of them more than the other or both or. We were bad Catholics. All right. That's always, you know, you know, like ate meat during Lent, like did the whole thing, but they just kind of like went on to it in their heteronormative lives that they didn't know anything other than that. But the cool thing was like shit started to get bad. Like it started to get really uncomfortable and a public elementary school was built literally in our backyard And they were like, not only is this convenient, but all the kids in the neighborhood will go to this school. Let's try it. Right. And then you'll be, you'll have friends in the hood. But what do you remember most about being at Catholic? Christmas. That's it? (laughs) Just just being over the top. Like, did you had a uniform, right? Oh, yeah. I had a uniform. It was always a mess. I always get in trouble for not wearing a belt because I'm like riddled with ADHD, too. So I was never, I know you have to, but I remember that I remember I was in trouble all the time, but I wasn't a bad kid. Like I was a people pleaser. And, and even at that time, I realize it now I was trying to be funny as the deflection as a lot of gay comics. 100%. Yeah. As a teacher, I just have this question because I've had this with many parents. What do you think is better? Uniform? Or no uniform. God, God, I uh, I've taught in both both situations, and sometimes at a very young age, it's kind of nice to have a little bit of n- not realizing what's going right. on. Yeah, right. But I do see beauty in like when you're a little bit older in the creative expression of like being who you just are. But even then it's kind of like, are you really who you are? Like who's buying these clothes? It's not right. You. Right. Right. No, no, no. So I just, I've noticed the differences too. And it's just kind of like, I don't really know. I can't say that one is better or one is worse. It really matters on where you're at. Like public school, a lot of the times seeing that difference in, uh, in socioeconomic, is, yeah, is, is, detrimental to a lot right. of people. And the crime in this country is the fact that public education funding is just wrong. And you have these schools right next to an underprivileged school that are just booming and have everything they need. And those kids go to school with the same kids in the same right. community. It's like, what the hell's happening? Yeah. I, you know, I, for many different reasons, I have multiple opinions on it. I mean, you know, I was six feet at 13. I never had the same clothes. My mother had to make my clothes. I couldn't mm-hmm. buy shoes. They didn't have my shoe size. You know, like, so for someone with an odd body, it's really hard. But it's true, the socioeconomic. And then also being a parent and like, 
having to fuck. Well, I had boys, but I can't even imagine, you know, having to deal with that kind of, you know, pressure and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. But then I hate uniforms because like, whatever. Uniformity. So, yeah. The best time was uh, when I taught kindergarten. It was the best when they were all uniformed because right. kindergarten parents are always buying these nonsense yes. clothes that have like toys built in. Right, like right, right. Big fluffy things or like mermaid sequins that go both ways. Right. It's like, I don't need them distracted by anything else. Right. Please. So it worked out really well there. Um, so you go to public school. Are you popular? Almost instantly. My mom said that the first day that I came home from public school, she said it was like the Wizard of Oz where everything changed to color. And I was right. just, she could like see the happiness and the creativity. And uh, that was third grade when I started public school. And that was my very first set. I was a stand-up comic for my third grade talent show that year. And what, um, so that's 1996, maybe, seven? Yeah. Um, no, oh, 89 and uh, 1997. Okay. So you do stand up. Do you remember? Yeah, I stole all my bits. I okay, stole all my ahead. bits. So a couple things here. Grew up in a comedy family. Specifically was just drawn to a lot of lesbian comics. Like my mom, you'll find this interesting, in the house all the time was the Rosie O'Donnell show. Always. I, do you know why... I do know that. Yes. I'm sorry. Yep. Are those my Emmys from the Rosie O'Donnell show right there? Okay. Where are they ahead. at? Where are they at? They're right there. Yeah. They're right there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Wait, All I the can't. time. I, I specifically one time remember we were watching the show. Um, we would drive down to Disney World and there was a car, a TV in our van, right. you know, those big TVs. And we were watching uh, the Rosie show with Tom Cruise and everything. Yeah, yeah. And my mom was just cracking up, rewinding, watching these jokes over and over. Grew up watching Ellen's set which was the biggest full circle thing ever. And then Kathy Griffin was one of the first acts that I saw live. My parents took me to see her when I was very little. She was uh -huh. pretty clean at the time. And she did these bits on like combing Barbie's hair between yeah. her legs and the head falling off. And we were just, I was so drawn to like powerful women in comedy that I wanted to emulate that. So I was a little sassy, a little doing my thing, but all my jokes I stole from a magician in town. No. Yes. And then I just twisted them to kind of like right, make them right, my right. own a little bit, but had no idea that right. you don't do that. It was the first right. thing I ever did. Well, and I was eight. eight. I was eight. So, uh, but it was cool. And it's crazy to watch the footage back. My, my goal is, so I walk on stage and I, the first thing I say, I'm in a suit. I made my mom get a suit for me. And I walk out in the suit and I say, hi, I'm Joey Dombrowski and I'm going to be your com comedian for the night. And what I want is for my first special, I want it to be that footage that fades into oh, me. Oh, that's great. That's as great. An adult. Yeah, I right. really want that. Okay, that's very good. I love that idea. That's so funny about the Rosie show. And, yeah. I, you know, I, we, they just did an article in New York Magazine about it because it's 25 years old. And uh, or was it Vulture? It might have been Vulture. But... Um, I, I I was quoted because I often would say, if everyone if the if everyone in the country knew that this is a show being put on by a bunch of gay people and their friends and their allies, like it could change the world, you know. Yeah. And it, it was it was a phenomenon, and it was gay kids 
that it was such a great it was really what one of the happiest times of my life i had so much fun really um, cool to watch too and f- another full circle moment rosie cat in the hat and Susical. me cat in the yeah. hat my high school musical oh my so god I was, I was and, like, and it rhymes there we so, go so it's interesting being a a gay kid a flamboyant gay kid going to public school in the late 90s and being accepted because this is this is the first time this is happening anywhere at anywhere. any time in this country. You realize how lucky you are um, and having parents. Who accept you? And I mean, did you ever have to come out to them or yes. was? Yep, it was this. Was, it wasn't. It, it took years to be sunshine right. and rainbows, what it is today. You know, right. they, you know, definitely were, it was ingrained in them because of their Catholicism. Right, 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 right. Bad. So they were protecting me from going to hell and like didn't want this for right. me. So it took a lot of explaining and, and uh, my uncle is gay, my mom's brother. Right. So us and they knew that. Together, they did know that. And we had very different experiences, but uh, kind of, seeing that he's okay in the world and I right. will too. It was just all fear. It was fear. You know, it, it is fear because, you know, and I've talked about this a lot on the show, you know, like the choice was be ostracized, lose, not be unemployable, lose your family, die. For most, so many of my friends, it was yeah. like, you know, the AIDS crisis really, no one could hide anymore. I mean, it was really a catalyst for, for where we are today. Right. Um, but, you know, a lot of people of that generation thought it was going to be a horrible, sad life, you know, a lonely mm-hmm. life. And it's not. And, you know, you're really, really lucky. You're really lucky that you were born when you were born. And I, I hope I think that all the time. I think okay. it all the time. And I hope that you tell your friends who are gay that because I feel like a lot of young gay men and women, but mostly men don't appreciate the, you know, the shoulders that they're standing on of so many amazing people who are dead because of this horrible plague and they're not safe. And it really pisses me off. You know what I mean? It's not like, it's like, Oh, I'll just take prep or whatever the fuck it is and do whatever I want. No, no, look at, go look at the AIDS Memorial Instagram page. I check it every day. You see what the world, you don't have no idea how many people we lost. So you need to share that message because it really bothers me. Okay. So you're very popular. And also, I don't think if you were a lezzy, mm-hmm. you would have been popular like that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say I agree with you. Yeah. I agree with you. I think that there was definitely just like weird shit still going on at that time. Right. And just like you said too, this is kind of like the first time that like kids being out in high school is like a thing. Right. And you know, there was definite, the, the craziest part is that my circle was all fine with this too. But then there right. were still pockets. I, I went to school. I graduated with almost 2000 kids in my class. Right. Like it was wow. nuts. Yeah. So there were haters who would try to say some shit or start some shit. But these band of friends would do all the counteracting for me, which I also realize is a huge privilege because this was also the first time that other students feel like what he is is fine and fuck you. Right, and fuck you, yeah, right. Which was, yeah, well, which was did cool. Did you, so the people who were your, you know, your allies there, 
was it male and female? Predominantly female. Yeah, that's what for I figured. sure. Yeah. For sure, obviously. But I did have two very good, close, straight guy friends who were definitely straight, but met through theater. And they also didn't give a fuck. And they would come right. come to bat too and they saw it right away, which I was super grateful for. Now, it's kind of weird because I still have this, if I'm in a group, oh God, like if I go into a set, I'm the only gay guy and it's a bunch of straight guys. I am like not myself when I'm in right, the green room and stuff because it's just ingrained in me, you know? It's like, I you don't know because right, when that happens to you when you're a little kid. Right, but imagine being a, you know, a black kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Here. I mean, like, that's that's the thing. Like, we know we're mm-hmm. gay and that we feel uncomfortable. But you imagine, you know, someone walks in and they are a person of color and immediately. Absolutely. It's like you're the other these people. You know, I, I think about that all the time. But so it's interesting how that that internalized homophobia or feeling of like being out of place stays with you forever. It stays with you forever. And it's also, I call it out because that's the only way I can deal with things. I'm like, okay. Yep. And like, I even like, I, like I've been to parties of people and I'm like, you live in New York City and you have no gay friends. Like, I'm not okay with this. You have no people of color friends. Sorry. There's something wrong here. How's you it possible? In, you know? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I assume you were in the theater department. Did you ever have like the straight football player? Like, did you ever have the guys approach you? Like, listen, don't you fucking tell anyone. I want you to suck my dick. Oh, yeah. Really? It was great. Oh, my God. Tell me. Tell me. Oh, it was everything. Everything. Yes, I need Um, to know. Multiple. Multiple. Probably at least five. And they were like really popular, like jockey. Really, just like, mm, mm, mm. and there was like one who my other gay friend, he was fucking. And I like, wow. he like confided in me and told me. And I was like, I want a little piece of that. So I went and kind of like planted my little seed. I got mine. It was great. But then it was always in. This is the part that fucks with you too. When that happens in high school, they're all in. There was this one guy particularly who was on the soccer team and shit. And he was like in, in my head, Judy, we were dating. Right. Okay? Right. Cause when we were by ourselves, we were like giggly laughing, having these moments. And then we'd like hook up and stuff. And as soon as he would blow, it was like, well, you know, I'm not gay, right? Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll see you later. Like, don't know. Like, don't tell anybody. I got to go. Right. And then it was like over. And I was like, oh, okay. So your guilt's going to hit in. Right. That is trauma. Right, Especially when you get feelings. Yeah. Right. You have to, I've been on the other end of that too, where you're like with someone, they're like, no, I'm straight. And it's like, no, you're not straight. Yeah. Yeah. What did you just do? What do you think that is? Like, There's I mean, I'm an things. old gay, I'm an old gay, but it's like every gay guy I know 
has a story about the straightest person in school and them, you know, blowing each other. Well, you or, know, it still yeah. happens too. Oh yeah, of course. Straight guys all the time. All the time. And, but we'll are, do, do you believe stuff. they're straight? Or do I you- don't. Now here's the thing. This is at a time to, okay, I never have been attracted to women. I've never, I never wanted to. I've never have. And at that time, gold star, it, it, gold star gay. Yeah. At that time, it was you're gay or you're straight and nobody right. was really buying into bisexuality. Right, now, right, when right. I look back at these times and these experiences, I truly believe that a couple of these guys were bi. One, I think, is gay and was just in this super Middle Eastern family where he could right. never, could never, and will never, and is married now. And I'm I'm convinced that he's gay, but the others, I'm like, I think they're bi and that's fine, but like nobody talked about bi. Nobody right. talked about or, or even discussed it. It wasn't an option. Are any of them with men now? Let's see. Uh, one. One did come out. Fascinating. So you know, fascinating. You know that a lot of them will come out in their 50s. Yeah, it's, which is yeah. which is wild. There's one that's like, he's married and he has kids. And I'm just like, this is wild. Okay, Judy, there's and another you, one yeah, yeah. from college who we go hard, right? Right. But it never got weird, ever. Even after, we'd still hang out, laugh, just go back to being friends, and it was great. And even still, he's married, and he'll, like, doesn't want to do it again, admits that, but will, like, joke about it with me, and he's, like, totally fine with it. And he's, like, it happened, whatever. It's, like, whatever. Now he's married, they have a kid, and he's just, like, yeah. Like, that was something that we But what do you think these wives, like, I just wonder, do they get laid? Do they, are they just, like, that one she did. I know for sure she did. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, they have kids. Um, <laughs> okay. So you graduate high school and wait, you go to Central Michigan University. I did. Fun fact I wanted to pursue arts and entertainment immediately. And my parents were like, they, we don't know. That's not our, we're in Michigan. Right, we right, don't right. know that life. So they were like, no, like you have to pick something else and then like bank on your talent and harness it through community theater, like doing other theater, but don't major in it. So that's kind of what happened there. So that's, this is kind of where teaching starts getting the seed planted. Right. So my parents as one, all they wanted was for me to be a teacher. And it's interesting because as a child and as a parent, as I, and, and as someone who chose this wonderful business of show, <laughs> I feel like I always, like, I know people who were like, my, my daughter wanted to major in art. And I was like, no, you can't. And I was like, why would you do that? Like, why right. would you do that? And I think it's always wrong, but in your case, and was, I right. have never felt this ever before. I feel like it was like divine intervention I in a way. Because couldn't agree more. Yeah. Right? This is the first time I am ever saying that because of what you do. And we'll get to that in part I two. really appreciate so, you saying that too, because yeah. a lot of people... I just stopped. This is like the first year that I've actually, st- I stopped before then the pandemic happened, lost everything, went back to teaching. So this is the first year that I'm really not teaching. And this is the first time that I feel like a lot of comics take me seriously because you know, for so long, how it, people are like, oh, you have, a, you have a day job. All right. Yeah, you're not a comic. And I'm like, you don't understand two things. One, I love it. I love 
I love teaching just as much as I love comedy. And this is so fun for me. And two, it is literally making me better. Not the content, not, not the stories, not what's happening. Being in the classroom is making me a better comic every single day. Well, first of all, the material, you know, like, Speaks for you know, itself. Yeah. I don't know if you remember Andy Kaufman, um, <laughs> yes. who would li- who would go and like take a job as a cab driver just to, you know, be in the world. You know, yep. like you have to be in the world. Yeah. Like, don't ever let a comic say you're not a real comic. You know, I supporting yourself during the day and doing stand. There's nothing wrong with that at you all. Can- you're a comic because you sit around all you sleep until three in the afternoon and complain and that you have no money and you know, no, sorry. Yeah. Um, that always pissed me off. Cause I always, until I could afford it, I was a typesetter and I would work during the day to make enough money for health insurance and then go out like taking care of yourself. There's nothing fucking wrong with that. You can't say the person's not an artist. Okay. Exactly. So you, what do you go- think, let me ask you this. What do you think's up with that? What the fuck do you think is up with that? Because it is still so hardly and it's so ingrained in the comics. Right. It's also because it's, I guess it's this idea of suffering. It's this idea of, you know, for my generation, the day you quit your day job was the day you were like, okay, I can pay my rent. It wasn't about, you're not a comic, you know, it was about, you know, there's this idea and it's so funny because there's so many kids who have trust funds. Like you're a comic because your parents are rich and you don't have to work. Like that makes you a better comic. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's this idea that unless you're, you know, it's, and it's not like you're not in it a hundred percent. Do you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like yeah. so many comics had side jobs or other ways of making money or went into real estate or investing or something. And no, it, it that is an insecurity that is coming from the person saying it. it has nothing to do with the artist because uh, being in the world makes you a better comic. Yeah, being a part of the world, being you know, and that's why when comics, you know, they say, "Oh, he used to be so funny," and then not. It's because you're not in the world anymore. You're not dealing right. with real people anymore. You're believing this bullshit about you. You're a fucking person, and you tell jokes. The first person to really like dig that into me, Lou Franda, literally was like from Caroline's. He said, "You are doing something different oh than God, so many other people." So, he says that to me all the time. Really? Lou, okay, I will tell you a Louis Veranda story. I was nineteen. I was at Rutgers, I'm and I die. had this is amazing. <laughs> and I had won this contest at school where I got mm. to do five minutes with um, these three comics from Catch Rising Star, Adrian Tolsch, Bill Shep, and Larry Ambrose. And Adrian Tolsch, I've told the story before, uh, was running the open mic nights at Catch Rising Star. And she's like, these, go- these were the first, these were comics and they told me I was funny. They, like, they were like, no, you, you are funny. And so I would come, I'm 19. I would come to New York City and literally hang out till two or three in the morning trying to get on, which was, well, and I was still a college student. And Lewis was the bartender. Oh um, my God. And he was like, you're going to get on. You're going to get on, Judy. I'm telling you, you're funny. You don't, no one like you. No one like you. And so I don't know why I'm doing the bell, but um, 
he then became eventually became the guy who the who was given everyone spots. He did the schedule there. Um, and then he, you know, went to Caroline's and I've known Lewis since I'm 19 years old. And a lot of people are mad at him or, you know, whatever they used to love, you know, because of his position, but he really knows what's funny. Cause I remember him. This is the fun. This So one time I was in my, you know, early twenties. And by the way, I used to hang out with Joy Behar's daughter because she oh was in high school <laughs> yeah. and Joy would come in and do sets and Eve would come with her and Eve's half Jewish. So I'll do, okay, wait, a little half a bell. And I, and Eve was the closest one to my age. So I used to like hang out with Eve. But I remember one day I was in my mid twenties, maybe. And this kid comes in, he's wearing sweatpants and a, like a t-shirt and he looks like a big slob. And Lewis is like, he's going to be a star. And I'm like, Look at him. He's in fucking sweatpants. And he's like, no, he's going to be a big star. Adam Sandler. So um, Lewis really does know talent. Uh, that's so funny. And you do do something. Don't you know what? The thing about stand up. You can't compare yourself to anyone because every it's everyone has a different material, hopefully B their own path. I've been doing this since I'm 19. I'm 58. I'm going to be 59 in November. It is a fucking roller coaster. And yeah. you have to learn how to deal with the ups, but you have to learn how to deal with the downs. The ups are like, I mean, poo, poo, poo. It, you just don't know. You don't know. And the only thing you can control is writing and getting on stage and doing your work and not fucking watching. Oh, that one got that. And that one got that. It's It's gotta be like focused on your work. And yeah. the thing about you is, and then I'm going to be done kissing your ass is that you're also doing a service. You're doing a service because teachers need a voice. Comedy is the most palatable way to talk about subversive topics. And you are this, incredible voice for what teachers go through. I Thank mean, it's you. great. And think about, I teach too. I, I actually teach a solo performance class, but think about Ted Alexandro was a teacher. There's a lot of people. And if, you know, the people always ask me in interviews, what would you do if you couldn't do this? Teacher. Thank you so much for listening to part one of Kill Me Now with the one and only Joe Dombrowski. Kill Me Now is produced by Laura Vogel, edited by Colin Schmeling. This podcast would not be possible without the help and dedication of Brittany Joe Sowards. I love Joe Dombrowski. I love teachers. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And next week is even more fantastic, if that's possible. Um, so if you love the show, which I don't know how you can't, please subscribe. Please leave a review. Please tell all your friends about it because I need more listeners. And, you know, check me out. Go to my website, judygold.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at judygold, J-E-W-D-Y-G-O-L-D, because I'm Jewish. Also, um, this week I will be performing in Provincetown, Massachusetts for Women's Week. And so if you're on the Cape or near the Cape, I have shows Wednesday, uh, Friday, and... Sunday. I think that would be the 13th, 15th, and 17th, if I'm correct, of October. October 23rd, I'll be in Scarsdale, New York at Jackie B's. 
at 8.30 p.m., so get your asses there. I'm going to Florida in November. A little little, uh, worried about getting the COVID, but, uh, you know, whatever. So, listen, be safe, be well. Get your booster if you need it. Wear a mask. It's going to be over soon, I think. And, you know, I just want people to be nice to each other. I mean, I'm allowed to scream and yell, but just be nice to each other because (laughs) there's a lot of shit going on. And uh, we need to change everyone's fucking nasty attitude. So thank you so much for listening. I, I can't thank you enough. If you're still listening right now, I love you even more than ever. Yesterday was National Coming Out Day. Happy coming out! If you're not out, and you're scared I got your back and um, you know just know you're loved and uh, happy indigenous people day Uh, well that was yesterday too but whatever it doesn't matter because who knows what day you're listening to this so listen have a wonderful wonderful week I'll uh, I'll I'll be here next week same time same place and as we always say so long g- 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 don't forget to tune in next week to just kill me now um for, let's just kill me oh don't forget to turn uh, for part two on just kill me no it's not it's <laughs> just, just kill me now no, judy gold's just kill me just kill me now, just kill me now. <laughs>